I think what we very often believe is that, oh, we need to have a very light hand and be so artistic in order to be reproducing really nice shapes of the teeth, which is not true. Our hands, they are not, you know, organs with the brain themselves. Our hands, they're merely following what our brains tell them to do. So the better you've trained your brain, the better you can recall it from your memory, the easier your hands will be able to follow with any material. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. What makes your restorations look amazing? Well, the more natural they look, the better they will look. And I think to mimic nature, we need a really good understanding of anatomy. Now, this is something that we think we know when we qualify from dental school, like we know what a tooth looks like, right? But actually it comes with a lot of practice and determination and actually knowing in your mind's eye what a tooth should look like. And that can be easier said than done. Like we all know what a central incisor looks like. But until you appreciate that the gingival zenith, now that's the highest point of the gum, for example, is usually around about a millimeter distal, or that the, the mesial line angle is uh, straighter and the distal line angle is curved. These little subtle pieces of information that will be the difference between getting a flat uh, and lifeless looking central incisor versus something that looks really natural and really beautiful. And that's exactly why we have Yurgita on the podcast today. She is Anatomy Queen. We'll be talking about all things anatomy, how to make our restorations look better starting from tomorrow. What is the work that you need to do now to get to a stage that you're improving your anatomy? The Protrusive Dental Podcast I have for you is something I posted on my Instagram recently. I posted a case uh, of deep caries. Now, it was a lower second molar and the patient had a wisdom tooth. So lower second molar, distal, very deep caries, the kind of thing that would ruin a Thursday afternoon, right? Uh, and it's basically very subgingival caries. You may even need a root canal in the future, but the tooth is still restorable. The tooth, you can still save the tooth. So what is my way to manage these sorts of situations? Well, something I picked up from uh, lots of Facebook groups, Pasquale Venati, uh, Tomorrow Tooth, Mashek, uh, who's going to be a, a guest on the podcast sometime soon, is that to get the best result and to allow the rubber dam to actually be sealing the base of the cavity and to allow your matrix to actually create the seal is you need to get rid of that inflamed, excessive gum tissue, right? And the best way I found from, from learning from these people is to use a thermocut burr. Now, a thermocut burr is a burr without any diamonds and I believe, and don't quote me on this, is Densply uh, produced this, and they initially made it because they have this thermophil root canal system, obturation system, right? And the way that you would remove the plastic and the gutta perca would be to use this diamondless burr, right? It's like this naked, bold burr. But we found that actually, if you use it on full rev, without any water, it just cauterizes and, and burns and, and just destroys the gum uh, completely out of the way and it's really the papilla. You get rid of the papilla and now you can actually get the rubber dam to seat 
and create a seal. And now you can get that all important seal with the matrix pan because it's not constantly battling the papilla. You can actually get better wedging as well. So that's my Petrusis Dental Pearl. Consider using the set of the Thermocut burrs. Uh, now, if I was getting a set, I'd get the assorted set. So you get like a really small one, a slightly bigger one, slightly bigger one, and a massive one because uh, interdental spaces are all varied in different sizes. So the smaller one for the smaller gaps, the bigger one for the larger sort of molars uh, that are sort of tilted away from each other. And with that, um, after you've anesthetized the patient, you can just remove the gingiva, you place the restoration, and don't worry, the gingiva, in a, as long as the bone is there, it will grow back, okay? The bone sets the tone, remember? So uh, that's my top pearl for you today. Um, the other thing I want to say before we just jump into the episode is, is really a thank you to you guys. Uh, the last month or so, the podcast has really exploded. A lot of new people are discovering it. I'm getting lots of messages saying, hey, I've just found your podcast. Uh, people are binging it, which is like, wow, the most flattering uh, thing ever. And I want to shout out Dr. Lincolnhurst, uh, whom I don't think I've ever met before, but this guy has been so, so kind, polite, you name it. He went on this couple of Facebook groups and just without me asking him, shared my Michigan Splinters Overrated episode, uh, and he just said so many lovely things. So, uh, Lincoln, thank you so much for, for sharing and getting so much exposure for the podcast. I, I really appreciate it. So thank you to everyone who's continuing to support the podcast. I've got some great content lined up for you. Hope you enjoy this episode with Yorgita, and I'll uh, catch you in the outro. Uh, how's your yeah, day been? Sure. Been all right. I've been off, been waxing the teeth. So amazing. <laughs> okay, cool. So you? do you do, you, you do, oh, I'm great. Thank you. Do you, you do your own wax ups? Well, no, not often. Um, uh. I did the wax up for my own teeth. So yeah, that I do myself. Uh, but uh, some wait, of wait, 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 why, why are you waxing up your own teeth? I don't get it. <laughs> Even dentists need uh, some dentistry sometimes. <laughs> are you, are you going to make a stent for yourself and like, you know, put heated composite and, and, and do your own dentistry nah, as well? No, 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 no. I won't take it that far. <laughs> I'll just wax up and I'll see. <laughs> okay, there we are. Someone who's truly dedicated to, to dental morphology, doing your own wax ups and stuff. And that's exactly what we will be talking about today, Yogita. Um, now, is it Yurgita or is it Jurgita? Like, how do you say your Yurgita. name? Yurgita. Yurgita with a silent J. Look at that. Oh, that right, first time, right. So you are Hungarian? No. No? I'm not. Oh, my God. Try, what, again. What, what, what? Try again. Try all the oh, European, really? uh, European countries that you know. A bit further oh, up north. Oh gosh, my, no, let's not go there. This could, this could be a, a long night and very embarrassing for me and you. Uh, I, didn't, I, I, just no. assume, I don't know why I thought you were Hungarian. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm Lithuanian. Okay, fine, fine. Uh, I know a very good Lithuanian dentist, uh, Mindogas um, Kadulis. Kadalis, yeah, yep, yep. He's, he's a really <laughs> he's, cool guy. He's, he's my dentist as well, by the way. <laughs> no way. He's your yeah. dentist. Yep. <laughs> okay, that is pretty cool. So, are you from Vilnius? Yeah, I used to live there, yes, and I worked there for quite a while. Wow. But funny what enough, I only met world. him uh, after I left uh, Lithuania. That's cool. And he's, he's also someone who's, uh, like, well, like you, also someone who's really good at the whole uh, morphology. Uh, he obviously mm -hmm. does some teaching on posterior morphology nowadays, and yes. I've seen a lot of your work as well, yes. which, which is why I wanted to have you on, on the show today. Uh, and, you know, let's just uh, kick right in. Uh, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, Yorgita. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I am Yurgita with a silent J. Um, I am Lithuanian, as we found out already. Um, I am a restorative dentist, um, graduated from Eastman. 
I did my master's in restorative dentistry. Um, I work in two lovely private practices in London. I'm very lucky to have um, amazing places to work. Uh, one of my places is with um, Basil Mizrahi in Harley Street in London. Another one is in Holborn with an amazing team. Um, yeah, so I do enjoy, I truly am passionate about uh, tooth morphology, um, not necessarily per se as tooth morphology. I just find that it is very, very helpful for me um, and it improves my dentistry. Well, anyone listening to that, uh, and, and you know, Basil Mizrahi is uh, an internationally renowned dentist. <laughs> And, and the fact that you get to work with him and that like, you have access to his brain like so much, so much makes me incredibly jealous uh, and envious. So, but that is a that is an amazing feat, uh, and that, that you pretty much have him as a mentor, right? I do. Yes, I think I'm very lucky to have him. I'm very lucky to have him as my mentor. He's my friend, and I think we make an amazing team. Um, he teaches me the whole new world of dentistry, of traditional mechanical dentistry, like almost like a bit of an old school. And I bring in a bit of a nouvelle vague dentistry, yeah. a composite bonding, digital dentistry. So I think, yeah, um, I'm very lucky to have him. I'm very lucky that we are such a great match. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm just trying to understand the dynamic and workflow with you and Basil Mizrahi. Like in my head, I, this is what I'm imagining because I know the kind of dentistry he does. Is that he does like these um, massive rehabilitations. The patients spend years in orthodontics and years in temporaries. I'm, I'm joking, obviously. Uh, and, and then finally, he delivers. <laughs> yeah, I'm these, not that far off. <laughs> I know, but I had to say that, I guess. But you know, he he really, you know, the, the step ladder of success that he's he's known for. You know, one thing at a time, and the beautiful precision dentistry. But I'm just trying to think. Like, do you see your own patients from beginning to end, or is your relationship um, a working relationship in in a way that he will? Um, send the refer the patients to you for some aspects and then he will do the some aspects like can you just tell me about your working dynamic yeah it's really a bit of a mix and match um i have my own patients that come to see me through my instagram from i don't know from eastman from the courses and i follow them through from the beginning to the end there are certain things that i don't do so inevitably i will be referring those patients either to basil or other specialties and odontics periodontics I, I really try to focus on restorative dentistry and only do this field. So yes, of course, I will be referring my patients out for certain things. Um, as it comes, when it comes from uh, Basil and how we work, so yes, there will be certain things he doesn't do. So obviously, he would refer those patients to me. Um, patients that prefer for one or another reason to see me, they would come to see me. Um, but it really depends. Other cases, again, I would do myself from start to finish. Um, again, I ask him as a mentor, so I try to, uh, you know, to use him as much as I can. I, I, I ask for his help. He asks for my help. So I think we're sort of developing our and refining our relationship as we go. Mm. But it really is a, a, a mix of everything. Well, that's amazing. As, as, as one young dentist to another, I think it's amazing where you're at, at the moment. And I'm excited to see your development, how you grow and grow and your, your work on Instagram, the, the sort of the documentation that you produce is, is phenomenal. And I just want to say, like, women in dentistry, you know, we want more of a presence and to have role models like you for, for all women in dentistry is just absolutely amazing. And, and let's just go back to the first time I, I got exposed to you was, I think it was 2018. It was the Dental Tubules Congress. I may have the year <laughs> wrong. You, was it 2018? Uh, I believe so. I believe so. Yeah. 
Time flies. Well, you you Time came flies. on stage and uh, you just blew us away with your lecture. Uh, I actually <laughs> remember the the opening part because I'm part of uh, Toastmasters and we you know practice public speaking and stuff. And the <laughs> bold start you make made was something so awesome. Like, do you practice public speaking on the side? Uh, do you do Toastmasters? Oh or no no like? no, absolutely not. It's a it's okay. a very strange thing that you've mentioned in Tyndall Tubal. So that was my first ever public speaking. No, get out of here. Get out of it. No, lecture, I, don't, I don't buy it. You're lying. You're lying I, to I us. I swear to God. I swear to God. It was our first ever public speaking wow. kind of exercise that I did. It was uh, on that stage over there. I did um, ask around, you know, so, okay, I, I have no idea how to do that. Would you tell me now, mm. you know, what do people say on the stage? So I did kind of look at, you know, Apple presentations and very famous talks. And I just tried to kind of... Um, take the best out of it, try to refine my own recipe. You know, you can't really blindly follow the recipe mm-hmm. that is given there for Toastmasters. You have to adapt it to your own personality, which you're comfortable with. And I think I just did uh, what I thought uh, I want to do. And I talked about something that I'm passionate about. And I'm really glad that uh, that you liked it and that people loved you, it. You came across so well, such that uh, I remember um, when you made that initial, you asked, you started your lecture uh, with a question. I f- I'm sorry, I forgot what the question was, mm-hmm. but I remember the um, elegant way that you asked this question, like, like you just asked a beautiful question and then you captivated everyone's attention. And then someone next <laughs> to me was like, she, she's obviously had some professional training and I'm not lying. That's what she said. <laughs> really? It's amazing how you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so his name's Dave. Wow. Uh, he, he, he actually runs some of the Toastmasters in Ealing, I believe in the local area. So he's a very high level um, professional oh. speaker. And then he sort of had said, yeah, yeah, she's obviously had training. So that's, anyway, that's amazing what you uh, told me there. Uh, and you were talking about um, tooth pathology that day. Uh, and I guess it was you who changed my mind about it in a way that I used to think drawing teeth was a complete waste of time. Uh, and then you, you showed me this amazing, like how to make my crappy drawings in, amazing and how I can then translate that clinically and the importance of it, which is what we're going to talk about today. So tell me, why are you so passionate about tooth morphology, dental morphology? Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. Well, Jazza, uh, I must be a very boring person and I have nothing better to do with my life just to be interested in tooth morphology. <laughs> um, but jokes aside, I think uh, that passion for it, it really comes from my personal experience with the tooth morphology, with the knowledge and what it did to my dentistry, how it elevated my dentistry, and subsequently, uh, how the satisfaction from my own job really grew exponentially as as I started looking into that topic. Because I think we dentists, we all find ourselves at that point in our careers, no matter whether you're a newly graduate uh, or uh, far away into the dentistry, we find ourselves uh, at the point where 
no matter how many courses you go to, no matter how many articles you read and you try and you try to gain that experience, you kind of hit the ceiling a little bit where you know what's supposed, what it's supposed to look like, but it doesn't really come out mm-hmm. like that in your own work. And this is how I felt, I think, early in, in, in my beginning of my career. You know, I used to uh, try really hard and it, it doesn't look the way I want to do. So what I used to think that, okay, it must be my materials that I'm using. I'm going to change all materials. So you change the materials, you change the instruments, you even change the technicians and it still looks a bit <laughs> of a crap. So I think this realization about tooth morphology and that it is actually important. It came uh, when I was doing um, my master's at Eastman. And, you know, we have a lot of modules, uh, different topics, different fields of dentistry. So I used to go to the uh, occlusion topic module, right? It's very extensive. And then they would briefly mention um, you need to know the morphology if you want to achieve good occlusion. Then I go to crown and bridge module. And then they briefly mention that, all right, you know, if you want to prep the tooth uh, really well, then you need to no tooth morphology all right then we start talking about treatment planning and then they again emphasize how important tooth morphology is and i was thinking well wait a second what do they really mean that tooth morphology what does it even mean you know to know the tooth morphology i know a tooth morph- i'm a dentist i know the tooth mm-hmm. morphology and then i realized that do i really what kind of training did i get about the tooth morphology in my undergrad this is where we get it right and I was thinking, yeah, okay, I remember when we were playing with the plasticine, that was way early in the dentistry training at the early days. And as far as I was concerned at the time, my priority was to be able to distinguish between the upper and lower premolar, right? And that's all I knew. <laughs> I think that's how I came out. And then slowly, gradually, I started looking into that topic, reading different kinds of books, playing with plasticine again, going to the courses. And I was amazed myself how it transformed everything, all my direct restorations, the treatment planning, the prep, the indirect restoration, everything, it transformed. And I think, oh my God, this is such a gap in dentistry. It's not actually being taught that well and we do underestimate it. And I think that's how I grew it. And I wanted to spread the word and started to come up with maybe courses and in, in, in integrate that into our teaching with, the, with Basil into, in our academy. So yeah, that, that, that's the story. Well, Yogiti, you raise a great point because um, I think you mentioned it, like as dentists, when we qualify, we feel, we feel like we know it because we should know it. It's something we should fundamentally know and we feel we know it. But it, you know, all dentists listening to this right now, the next, unless you work with Basil Mazrahi, uh, the next five patients you see in their mouths that you look at, just look at the morphology of the restorations and then think to yourself, can we as a profession and should we as a profession be upping our game? Right. Uh, and, and, I, and I think, yes. And, and I'm sure you definitely say uh, yes to that. Where do you think we need to, to, to start? Like, where can we start if you want to up our game with morphology? Because I think you're totally right. If we improve mm-hmm. our morphology, we improve so much more than just how good things look. So just tell us a little bit about how to get started and what else um, can benefit from better morphology? Um, I probably will make a, a detour to answer that question because I think what you mentioned, exact, it's exactly what it is. We dentists, we are a bit clueless if I, be, if I may be so daring about morphology and we mm-hmm. are sort of are ashamed to admit that, you know, after having done mm-hmm. dentistry for like 15, 20 years, how can you not know that the morphology? Um, every, I believe that everyone really can benefit from it. It doesn't really matter what 
kind of dentistry you do, whether you're a single tooth dentist guy or the full mouth rehabilitation guy. Um, here's a couple of facts, Jazz. So we all like to do our dentistry to the best ability, right? We try to improve every single time in everything what we do, okay? And here is another fact. We're really crap at morphology. And we're <laughs> dentists. We try to recreate a tooth form day in and day out, but we don't know what we are trying to recreate. So I think this is a big gap. And, you know, for the sake of the argument, you know, if you are that guy who says that, well, you know what? I do my single crown. I don't really care about the uh, aesthetics, about the morphology, how it's going to come out. Why do I need to bother? And so I think, okay, if you're a single, you know, tooth guy and you're trying to do that crown, you're interested in, uh, I suppose, the longevity. Well, how are you going to achieve that if you're not going to have the right anatomy, the right contact points? How are you going to be sure that it's not going to fail? Or even more so than nowadays, cosmetic dentists, they Composite mm. veneers are so big nowadays, right? And um, everywhere. I'm and I just want to can, 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 we, can we just say that it's yeah. just a bit too much? I think uh, personally, I see so many beautiful teeth that just need some whitening, and, and that's it. Uh, and, I, and I'm seeing composite being plastered all over. Uh, I guess if you're if you're that dentist placing all these composite veneers, and of course your anatomy needs to be good. But what about the? And I'm sure it comes is what about the the mm. non cosmetic dentist? What about the humble general dentist just working on posterior teeth, is it as important for them to be to be really awesome with their morphology as long as things fit together? I think what you are what you mentioned now is and I'm really glad you brought this up. Everyone thinks that morphology is only refer like concerns only cosmetic dentists or aesthetic dentists, which is very far from the truth. Now just think about that. Teeth, they look very, they have very specific shape. This is how nature made it. And they do have that shape for the very particular reason, for the very particular function, which in dentistry we call the occlusion. Okay. And I think the morphology and the occlusion, it is not really a possible one without um, the other. So you can't have good function, good longevity without having uh, good uh, morphology and vice versa. But what happens, interestingly, when you get that good morphology, cosmetics and aesthetics is the natural byproduct. So mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. will restore the form, yes, you will be concerned on the posterior teeth, right? Here you want, you know, you have good occlusion for the teeth, not to chip, not to break, be quite stable, have enough room for your porcelain restorations, whatnot. You will re restore it to the good shape and form. It will look aesthetic it cannot not look aesthetic it's just a natural byproduct i think mm -hmm, so it's mm -hmm. it's very important right okay so you you, you get to, I, I get your point but okay nowadays everything's going digital right like you mm -hmm. send something to your technician and and he or she is like uh, digitally waxing it up uh, and and maybe your uh, the whole workflow is getting digital and even to the extent that um, if you're doing your composites nowadays there's so many different companies like smilefast for example where you get your stent the anatomy's pretty much built into it. So mm -hmm. should you therefore be investing, if you've got a finite amount of time, which we all do, and mm -hmm. it's, it's like a, a, a budget, for example, uh, in terms of what we, how much time we invest in learning, should we, instead of learning about morphology, invest that time in learning how to work the different softwares, how to do a digital mm -hmm. wax up? 
That's I'm playing a, devil's advocate really, here. Really, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, that's a really, really good point. And don't get me wrong. I love digital dentistry. And I have to admit, I'm quite early on and I'm quite on a steep learning curve. I'm trying to really catch the wave and ride it. Um, and I think it's an absolutely amazing tool, especially when you plan your cases, especially when you have the patient in your chair and you try to visualize both for the patient, for for him or her to be able to see and for yourself when you're doing the treatment planning, right? You need to start with the end result at the end of the day. And you know that you know the basics of the treatment planning is that you start with the end result and then slowly you try to work your way backwards to see what you need to do in order to get to that result. And I think there, the digital dentistry is absolutely amazing. It's very, very quick. But also there are a couple of issues um, with uh, digital dentistry. I think people take it that at as if digital dentistry is artificial intelligence, as if Mm -hmm. you upload everything to the software and it will do everything for you. Well, at the moment, at this point in time, it's not artificial intelligence. It's still being used by human intelligence, which means that there is an actual person, whether it's going to be you or or dentist or the technician, it's an actual person who's going to sit behind that software and going to pull out these tooth libraries, tooth morphology libraries, and he's going to upload that and select the form that fits to that patient, will adjust that form in order for the occlusion to be well and functional, et cetera. So you still need the human power and you still need to have that knowledge. So let's say you, you can solve that just by exporting everything to the lab and the digital technician will send you back the models, you can do your mock-ups, etc. Now imagine what happens if you know technologies don't get everything right. There is an actual human being in your chair. Now the tooth morphology on its own without other smile components such as the face, the lips, the gingival components, the skeletal patterns means nothing, right? So you're gonna try um, everything that digital software produced for you and you'll see that you know what it doesn't look right so if you don't know the morphology how are you going to tell the software change this or change that it's not uh, it's not the artificial intelligence you need to have the power um for 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 you know in order to use the digital technology and i love how um paolo cano um one said and paolo cano if you know he's a he's a brilliant uh, dentist from brazil who uh, wrote a beautiful book about tooth morphology and he's now very big on uh, digital workflows from start to finish using everything and he does Mm -hmm. those cases absolutely beautifully so i really loved how he once said that digital dentistry and all those softwares and tooth libraries they are not going to let you to jump and skip the morphology completely, but they will allow you, those softwares will allow you to achieve that end result quicker. And me personally, what I have, what issue I have with digital dentistry at the moment is it's bloody expensive. You know, if you want to have, <laughs> if you want to have a full access to all the libraries to use all the tools that they have, it's, it's, mm. it's enormous money at the moment. Obviously, that is going to change at some point. But at the moment, as it is now, it's quite expensive. So I probably use it at the beginning for the treatment planning, but then I end up using quite a lot the analog uh, stages and I am in control still. It's not the software that's in control. I am in control and I know what what fits, what whether it was selected right. So yeah, digital dentistry, it's great. It's got a, a huge potential. You'll still have the human being in your chair 
and you need to know how to, to apply that knowledge. And digital dentistry also is, is everything to do with the indirect restorations. What about the direct ones? Who's going to mm-hmm, tell you, mm-hmm. you know, how to how to sculpt the tooth when, when you do everything directly? So, yeah, it's useful. It has its place, definitely, but it can replace human brain. Mm-hmm. Two, two things I want to add to that. One is, um, for example, uh, if you're using some of these like um, stent systems, like SmileFast, mm-hmm. for example, what if they come in with a chip tooth one day? You don't have a stent. You need to know the line angles. You need to know uh, all that sort of stuff. So you need to have those skills with you. So that's the whole uh, direct thing. And the other one, uh, I guess, and a comparison to what you said about if a technician is selecting from uh, like a skin or, a, or a, a template of an occlusal morphology, he still needs to know his morphology to choose which is the best one for that scenario. And I guess the best comparison would be for those of us who do Invisalign, the outcome simulator is an outcome simulator. It's not the human. And how many errors do we see from the outcome simulator doing these ridiculous movements, which are just not possible in biology? So we have to respect okay. that AI, like just like you said, is AI, and you still need that human expertise. So this leads nicely to the next question, which is if I want to improve my morphology, What's the first thing I should do? What, what are some practical, tangible tips you can yeah. give to the listeners about improving their morphology today? Right. So there's no easy way uh, to do that. I can assure yeah. you now, I can, uh, it's a big disclaimer, <laughs> disclaimer now. There is no easy way to learn the morphology. It requires a lot of effort. It's, it's quite time consuming. And I know I'm a dentist and I know how we love, you know, you go to the course on a Saturday, you come back on a Monday and you want, you want to apply all everything that you've learned and you want to charge for this. So here's the thing with a morphology, it's not going to happen. Instead, it's it's the knowledge that you're going to be able to apply to every field of the dentistry that will massively improve the quality of your dentistry. Obviously, better quality of the dentistry, the happier patients are, the happier you are yourself, the happier the patient, the more patients you get, the more patients you get then you start earning a little bit more. So it's quite a slow process. However, I'm a firm believer that everyone is capable to learn that if you give them a recipe. So I, the way I teach the morphology is, it's not that I, you know, I'll explain you how the upper left six is, and then you're going to go back to the practice and repeat it. I think there is a, 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 a protocol that not needs to be followed, but it's better to follow in order to be... Um, more efficient. So the way I teach it, it consists of three steps. First, it's stupid simple, actually. First, you need to have the knowledge, meaning that you need to visualize the morphology. When you look at the particular tooth, you need to understand what is it exactly that you're looking at. We have to understand one thing that our eyes are only going to you know, recognize those features of the morphology that our brain taught us to see. As if you know, well, imagine very simply, if, if I know Brad Pitt and I bump into him on the street, I'm going to be, oh, my God, I bumped into Brad Pitt, <laughs> yeah? And then if I don't know Brad Pitt, I've never heard of him before, I can bump into him three times a day, it will not make a difference mm-hmm. for me, right? So it's the same with the morphology. You look at the tooth, you, are, you have to understand what is it about that tooth that makes it right or wrong? What are these features that you're looking at? What are these cusps? Why are they there? What are they? Where the tips are, etc. So I think the knowledge and that visualization is a very important step. And this is what you do first. You get the books, you look at the pictures, you look at any courses that you, you know, you may find online. You can read about it, um, but then you need to take an action from that. 
Now imagine just what would happen if I show you the same very beautiful, cute upper left six. I can explain everything in detail about that six for you. And I tell you now, go and do that in the mouth. Would you be able to do re replicate that straight away? No, of course Difficult. not. I mean, uh, surely one needs to practice, practice, and and you know, close your eyes, visualize it, and keep practicing. That, that's my yeah, exactly. guess and where yeah, you're going to go. Exactly. So I think, you know, practicing that on our patients, we do that inevitably. We, uh, we practice that on our patients, but it's very difficult to be predictable and quick. So therefore, I think the step number two that is very useful and is very controversial and is very hated by uh, dentists is when you start drawing the tooth. And I don't necessarily mean a very fancy drawing with shadings and colorings. It might be a very simplistic, very, uh, very simple drawing where you repeat the same tooth over and over again. It allows you to make mistakes, correct them quickly, produce numerous amounts of the same drawing or different drawings on the same tooth and learn uh, how the human form is supposed to look like. So if you make a mistake, you can correct it. And what I mean by that is that, you know, when you draw again and again, you teach your brain to recall everything that you, what you, what you call that like knowledge when you were reading about it. It just trains your brain to recall, to reproduce all these features that is somewhere there in the brain. And finally, the third step what, is, what if you can't draw? What if, what if, like me, you can't draw? And that's a common objection you might get. Like, yeah. so yes, number one, and you I said do. you know what the tooth looks like, and and yeah. and okay, so I can I can completely learn the anatomy of an upper first molar, mm -hmm. uh, the transverse ridge, visualize it. But then, like when I'm drawing it, I look like I, I drew like a banana or something. You know, like oh, what, Jazz, what, you're what, not an you? artist. I thought you were an artist, <laughs> so you're not. <laughs> no, yes, I mean uh, it's a, a very common question that I get, or the remark that I get on the courses, and the, oh, trust me, the eye rolling that I've seen on the courses, like oh, what girl is are we trying to become the Picasso's here or what? Um, well, if you don't want to be an artist, well, don't be. You're a dentist. You don't need to draw the tooth, you know, for it to look very three-dimensional. Drawing, there's a difference between the artistic drawing when you try to produce a piece of art, and there is a drawing as an exercise to learn the tooth morphology. And that is two completely different things. So me, for example, I can draw you a very realistic tooth, a very three-dimensional tooth, does that mean that I'm an artist? Jazz, you should look at my, my drawings. I mean, they are complete rubbish. I mean, you ask me to draw a horse, it will be a disaster. But I can draw a tooth because to me, drawing is very methodological. It's very logical. I follow uh, a very precise sequence, thinking about the features of the morphology and training my brain. So, you know, if, if you don't want to do very complicated drawing, draw me like, or try to draw me the shapes and the symmetry of six anterior teeth, for example, right? If you can do that, I know that somebody who can draw six anterior teeth to the symmetry, to correct proportions, to correct alignment, will is likely to be able to reproduce that on maybe composite uh, veneers the next day. Whereas mm -hmm. the other way around, uh, not very common. So okay. don't so, want to so, be an so, artist. So you said, don't be an artist. Mm -hmm. So uh, visualize, uh, draw, but it doesn't have to be fancy 3D. It can just be uh, getting the sort of the basics right, so you can uh, take the step one even further and basically be able to yeah. train your hands. What about number yeah. three? So the number three is the three-dimensional sculpting of the tooth. So this is when you literally 
whatever you've learned, whatever you've visualized, whatever you've drawn, you'll surprisingly how quickly you are going to be able to reproduce that three-dimensionally with any material on um, any tooth. I think what we very often believe is that, oh, we need to have a very light hand and be so artistic in order to be reproducing really nice shapes of the teeth, which is not true. Our hands, they are not, you know, organs with the brain themselves. Our hands, they're merely following what our brains tell them to do. So the better you've trained your brain, the better you can recall it from your memory, the easier your hands will be able to follow with any material. So what's the best material? So, so if someone's listening to this, okay, I'm going to do number one, I'm going to learn my anatomy. Yeah. Number two, I'm going to start drawing, I'm going to start following you on Instagram, I'm going to start copying what you do. Uh, and, and then number three, I'm going to start uh, sculpting. When it comes to actually sculpting and getting that practice, I see some technicians and they've like carved soap, for example. Uh, is that the best way that you recommend dentists who, who want to get to uh, number three or stage three in practice, is, is that a, a good way to do it? Or uh, is there a different product or material uh, way to practice number three? So I'll tell you this, a, a soap was really good during the lockdown because <laughs> we didn't have an access uh -huh. to our dental materials and the soap was right. probably the cheapest one and the easiest one and, and, and uh, accessible to everyone. Um, any material is really good whether it's the bar of soap or amalgam or the composite or the plasticine or the wax, any material that you can achieve the three-dimensional form. Now, me personally, I do quite like wax and I did that a lot actually when I was learning morphology myself, but I know that hate, dentists hate two things, drawing and wax up. <laughs> <laughs> because the argument is that, you know, I don't do my own wax ups, my technician does that for me and so why would I waste my time? And I get the point, but I always have like a question um, at the back of my mind, why wouldn't you learn the wax up? Okay, yes, you rely on the technicians and jazz. You probably know, you know, you probably have your the technicians that you love and they are damn good. I love my technicians. I learn a lot from them, but are they always getting the result 100%? They don't. Of course they don't. They're not gods. They don't have the patient in the chair. They don't see the patient's face. They don't see the mimics and the dynamics of the face. They can't get it right. So imagine you've got the full mouth uh, wax up. You see the patient for the mock-up, the trial, and you realize that mm, it doesn't really, really look right. So what you're going to do, you can what, ring the technician and say, mm, well, I'm sending it back. Can you give it another go with it and send, send the wax up again? You try again, you can take photos. Or in my opinion, what I typically do is I take the wax, I adjust what needs to be adjusted, be it the shape, be it the length or, or the proportion or embrasures, whatnot. And I adjust it myself, I send it back to the lab and I say, okay, I've done the adjustments, just make it a bit neater, clean it up and we can proceed. So it's, it's, it's a really good material to actually, it's very useful material to, to know how to use. But I think what people really do love is to use the composite to try mm -hmm. uh, the sculpting because that's a material that we're very familiar with. We use it a lot every day. Um, it, you can use it in small increments. You can trim it. You can add. You can subtract. It's, it's a really versatile material. And I think this is the reason why I um, came up with this kind of idea to um, organize a course where I teach morphology and composites on the same course and uh, I 
teach the composite, everything you need to know about composites, like layering, etc. But I also teach the morphology and morphology through composites. And I think it marries so well. Everyone is so used to that. Results are great. And, and, and you learn a lot about composites. You can apply that straight away in the practice. And it's easy. The, honestly, in my personal opinion, I think that our composites, especially when it comes to the anteriors, anterior teeth, they look as good as your morphology is. You can be layering left and right, but if you are not going to finish it right to the morphology, it's not going to be right. Mm -hmm. I'm just visualizing um, practicing that stage three, uh, and I agree with you. I think composite makes so much sense, and I'm, I'm glad that's how you teach it. Uh, it's, it's just um, hands-on, something we're very familiar with compared to the wax, but I'm just thinking, as a dentist, we're always usually doing additive stuff, right? Where we're mm -hmm. adding increments of composite. So for me, I mean, if I'm going to be practicing uh, my composites, the bar of soap doesn't appeal to me as much because the soap is reductive. Um, do you think if you completely miss the reductive techniques and you only focus on additive, um, is that okay? Or do you think to train the mind, you need to be able to uh, practice the third element with both additive and reductive to be as good as you? You're quite right. Additive and subtractive techniques, they are quite different. And I think when it comes to the bar of soap, it doesn't really matter. Uh, the purpose of the bar of soap is to train the morphology, meaning is that you are going to try to sculpt the shape, the cusps, the fissures, tips, the marginal ridges in the right place. It's going to take time. It's going to be time consuming. Now, subtractive in the mouth it's way more difficult. And mm. what is the next material that is subtractive in the mouth that we use clinically? It's the amalgam. Now, have you tried to sculpt the morphology from the amalgam? It's really, really difficult because what you do, you overbuild the tooth first and then you use very flat instruments to sculpt a very delicate, rounded morphology. So it's extremely difficult to produce naturally looking uh, convex uh, surfaces with an amalgam so therefore the additive uh, the um, additive techniques uh, such as composites they are way more probably easier for us dentists now having said that when i say additive techniques is the composite always purely additive material most of the time it is, yes, but then you need to do the occlusal adjustment. Then you need to do the finishing where you really try to flow through, you know, the primary morphology, the secondary morphology, the tertiary morphology. You still end up subtracting. So in my view, if you are training and learning, it doesn't really make much difference which technique you are going to be using when it comes using that in the mouth. Additive is easier, but you will use the subtractive methods as well. If that I'm just so, uh, I was just reflecting how it's been four years since I've placed an amalgam. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think I'll uh, stick to additive as well. Um, <laughs> Yogita, thank you so much for a really, really insightful um, three steps that you shared with us there. I think people can go away and be able to really train their minds and, and try and pay attention a bit more about learning the sort of what makes a tooth that tooth, you know, what are the key occlusal features or morphological features of anteriors and then do the whole um, uh, drawing it and then eventually sculpting it. And obviously they can reach out to you for, for help Always. with that. Your, your Instagram handle, if you mind just sharing your Instagram handle. Yes, it's uh, Dr. Yugita Saibate. Um, you 
probably need to put that I will do. I will writing do. just because it's unpronounceable also unspellable <laughs> yes, no, no on, worries I am on Instagram um, I have the website which is called tusemorphology.com um, so have a look around in there I am also on Facebook with my own name and as toothmorphology.com so if you have any questions need any advice of what books to read or even if you want to take a shot of what you've been doing you know at your free time with the morphology I'm always open to having a look and maybe giving you an advice or two that, that, that's amazing and I just remembered a, a really cool video you posted recently whereby um, you had I think you had some models um, and then you were doing some uh, anterior equilibration adjustments and then you had all the red dots and then maybe one tooth was missing and, and you go step by step about how to uh, adjust the palatals of the upper incisors yeah. to, to get uh, even contacts. I mean, if you, if you guys are on Instagram, you definitely need to check out the profile just to watch that video alone, as well as all the other beautiful content that you have uh, in clinical and non-clinical. It's, it's really great. And I just want to ask you one last question, Yogita, yeah. is you've done the masters at Eastman and, and Eastman is like uh, known as this hardcore institute, right? Tell us about one tip you can give us about work-life balance? Oh my God, I am a really bad person to give that tip because I have no work-life balance. <laughs> <laughs> and I think when I did it, uh, uh, my personal life was a bit on hold and I'm very grateful for all the family and all the friends, um, the ones who still remember that I exist and haven't <laughs> left me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think always remember the people that try to support you uh, in everything you do. Our lives would be absolutely meaningless without them and uh, try to enjoy everything you do yourself, uh, both in career and in your personal life. Amazing. Yogita, thank you so much for coming to the Producers of the Podcast and, and sharing your insights it's been great having you on today thank you very much for inviting and i look forward to uh, upcoming protrusive dental podcasts thank you jazz thank you so much so there we have it thank you so much for listening all the way to the end uh, it's probably time we started to draw some more teeth starting to carve some more soap uh, wax up your own teeth like she's you know your is so dedicated with all our wax ups and whatnot so uh, that's amazing and uh, i really appreciate the chat that we had with her if you found value from that please uh, let someone know who may be struggling with their anatomy or if you'd like to leave a review if you listen on apple so anyone who listens on apple please subscribe and please consider leaving a review. That's how the podcast grows. So I'll catch you in the next one. Thanks so much for listening all the way to the end.